0: Welcome to the Leadership Now podcast with Dr. Aaron Rock, lead pastor of Harvest Bible Church in Windsor, Ontario. We talk about the nuts and bolts of theology, church life, cultural issues, pastoral leadership, ethics, and other relevant matters that will help you lead better now. I'm your host, Chris Yeoman and today we're going to talk about not living by willful ignorance, or live not by ignorance. As many of you have, may have read the... Uh, Live Not By Lies, book by Rod Dreher, and we're just borrowing that language, uh, Live Not By Ignorance. And we're going to talk about 12 alarming trends that supporters of lockdowns, mandatory vaccines, and masks, these supporters, need to account for. So get ready, because this episode is going to draw some clear lines. We're not interested in a whole lot of gray, wooshy-washy kind of conversation. Uh, And Aaron, could you take us away and kind of intro what we're chatting about today?
1: Right on. Yeah, so I am very concerned that many Christian people think that supporting lockdowns, mask mandates, all these health protocols, which have been in place for almost a year and a half now, is virtuous, when in actual fact, it's borderline wickedness. So I'm just going to say this straight up. If you are complicit... In vaccination passports, if you've labeled those as the right and righteous and wise thing to do, you have a serious problem on your hands. Because if you look at the evidence, if you look at how the government is responding to the circumstances we find ourselves in, there's nothing particularly virtuous about it. And we're going to expose the state. We're going to expose our leaders. We're going to expose our rulers. We're going to expose the lies. We're going to expose the hypocrisy in this episode as we've done before that they have participated in and we don't want to participate in that we we want to we want to shun the deeds of darkness we want to walk away from the lies we want to uh, chastise those that are uh, you know guilty of um, ignorance and sin against their fellow man so that's the purpose of this episode and uh, hopefully it will also give those of you who are you know on our team ammunition to call out the lies, the hypocrisy, the double standards, the illegality of what we're seeing taking place in culture today.
0: Okay. So let's start out with number one, government hypocrisy under lockdowns. Okay.
1: So we're just going to kind of beat this horse a little bit more. Time and time and time again, we have seen our leaders tell us there's a deadly virus. It's going to kill everybody. You have to stay home. It's the right thing to do. It's the moral thing to do. We have pastors participating in this rhetoric. We got to stay home. We got to lock down. We got to suspend our baptism, suspend our evangelism, suspend our service. Everyone's dying. And then we get the picture of the politician jet-setting to the Caribbean, attending the cottage, inviting family members over. Folks, you can chalk that up to you know it's typical government behavior but let me tell you this these governors that were being forced to obey are guilty of the sin of hypocrisy and it's a devastating sin because it's affecting people's lives and livelihood and if you support this hypocrisy you're complicit in it so even if you have chosen to get the vaccine or you choose to wear the mask because you believe it's effective, you know, good on you. But you need to call out the hypocrisy. And frankly, I don't think a lot of our opponents are doing this. They're just highlighting the virus, the spread. You know, they're calling us the minority. You need to call out the hypocrisy. It's not acceptable. It's, a sin-
0: it's sinful, in fact, and has devastating effects on a lot of people. Man, just hearing you say that was reminding me of Jesus' words for the Pharisees, and I can imagine the flack he got for calling them hypocrites uh, and what that would have been. Now, sadly, we've seen even pastors at times yep. behave in this way, of which is something that they you need to, if you're listening, and that was you, supporting on one hand the lockdown and then flaunting the rules personally, that's an issue for repentance, would you not say, Aaron?
1: Well, you know what, um, if you're a hypocrite, it's ultimately because you're either extremely weak and you need to mature, or you don't actually believe the narrative that you're suggesting you believe. And that the, the rampant and contradictory uh, antics of pastors and of politicians, these are not stupid people, these are not unintelligent people, you don't actually believe the narrative that you're presenting to people. So yeah, if you're a pastor and you've called for churches to close and you're enforcing masks in your church and social distancing, and then you're at the baseball game, you're visiting your family, you're inviting a few friends over for for a brew or whatever it might be, you are participating in a lie.
0: And there's no place for that in uh, in the Christian life. Now, this next one, number two on our list, this is really quite fascinating and something you just pointed out to me this week, HIV infection laws versus the COVID, COVID infection laws. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, we highlighted this on on our last podcast,
1: but I think it's worth bringing up again. So if you're HIV infected and HIV, you know, especially in the 80s, I mean, that was the talk of the town. That's a pretty significant, nasty, deadly, you know, life-altering, life-taking virus. So we have a lot of medications that control that, but you can be HIV positive. So you have the virus, it's in your system. And the Supreme Court of Canada ruled many, many years ago that a person who is HIV positive is still permitted to have sex with other people without divulging their medical history, without telling their sexual partner that they are HIV positive. Now, there is a caveat. And it is that you have to have a low viral load. So you're obviously not viral free or you wouldn't have HIV, but you have to have a low viral load and you're supposed to wear a condom or use a condom. Now think about that for a moment. A person can go out and have sex with another person who is knowingly HIV positive, but as long as they take some basic precautions, they sort of weigh, I guess, the risk and reward and the privacy and human rights and all these sorts of things. And you can essentially just live as if you don't have HIV. You don't have to tell anybody. You don't have to produce paperwork. You don't have to um, you know, stay away from sexual partners, even though you could infect them. But then we have COVID-19, and you could have the antibodies and therefore be immune, or you could have zero viral load, And you still have to like show me the papers, right? You still have to produce paperwork to prove that you've been vaccinated. And if you want to participate fully in society, you're also, you have to be vaccinated. So we have here a double standard. And I would suggest the reason for that double standard is because it's not politically correct to stigmatize people with HIV, in part because it's connected very closely with the uh, you know, gay community, not exclusively, but it is connected closely with that and promiscuity, et cetera. Um, so while there are people out there that have got HIV for other reasons, blood transfusions, yada, 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 it is connected with a group that, you know, wields a lot of political power. And so you can kind of do what you want. Your your rights, your bodily autonomy is, is upheld, but not so with COVID-19. You know, this is like the... Uh, um You know, know, this this is something that um, you can be discriminated against. You can be treated differently. You can be ostracized. You can be stigmatized. So, if you are in favor of lockdowns and in favor of mask vaccines, you are complicit in discrimination between people that are unvaccinated vis a vis someone with who's known to have the HIV virus.
0: So let's say the, uh, you know, the skeptic is looking at this and saying, okay, we're, we're struggling to, or not the skeptic, the person that's pro-lockdown is saying we're pro-lockdown because of the increase of deaths that we've seen and we need to protect people's lives. Uh, let's talk about the alarming trend that may be flying in the face of their notions there. Well, I would just say, where are you getting your information
1: from? CNN? CTV? You know who who is giving you your information? What what statistics do you have to suggest that we are in an actual pandemic? So, what are the statistics? Why don't we challenge the most fundamental aspect of this narrative? Are we in a pandemic? Well, how do you define a pandemic? So, here's the stats: in 2019, before the pandemic, as we call it, uh, touched down in Canada, the population of Canada was 37 million uh 589,000 people 37,589,000 people and in 2019 284 little over 284,000 Canadians died of various causes that's mm-hmm. fairly normal so you have let's just kind of say uh a little over 37 and a half million and a little under 300,000 deaths just for round numbers then the pandemic comes in 2020 And now we have the statistics on A, the population, and B, the deaths that took place in 2020. And they are as follows. The population of Canada rose to around 38 million, so an increase of about 411,000 people. So think about that, 411,000 people are added to the population through immigration or birth. And the death toll skyrockets, no, not really, to 300,314. So we go up 411,000 in terms of population and the death toll goes up about you know 14, 15, 16,000 people. Folks, <laughs> that is every life's ma- every life matters, but we're just talking about data here. That's a drop in the bucket. Mm-hmm. So I remember when they were predicting, what, 100,000 deaths or something in Ontario, and that's just one province. We didn't even see close to that. So, the the population of Canada in 2019 compared to the population of Canada in 2020, the death rate in Canada in 2019, the death rate in Canada in 2020 are, you know, more or less, give or take a few percentage points, pretty much identical. So, I don't know… What the word "pandemic" means? Then, does a pandemic mean that you know an extra quarter of a percent or half a percent of people died? Like, what is a pandemic? We a pandemic is the Spanish flu, where tens of thousands of people drop dead, um, many more than that actually, of this this contagion, but. Um, I, I just think we're participating in a lie if we continue to use this this pandemic language again, unless we just drain it of its meaning, mm-hmm. and it means a, a very, very, very minor increase
0: in death rate. So we also have illegal medical co- coercion.
1: You know, there's there's a couple of physicians in Ontario that have been pretty outspoken against um, the response of the government to COVID nineteen. And some of them have been threatened, and you know, facing um, you know, threats of losing their licenses and so forth. Um, one of the younger doctors pointed out that part of being a physician is, you know, informing, not coercing. You don't force someone to take a medical treatment. That's that's not that's that's um, quote unquote illegal for physicians to do that with their patients. Mm-hmm. So you don't say, you can say, hey, it's flu season. I'd recommend you get the flu shot or you know, your heart's giving out. We really think you should get in for, um, you know, heart surgery. You don't say you have to do it. You will do it. If you don't do it, you know, you you can't travel. You can't work. Um, you can't see your loved ones. You can never leave the country. Um, you know, you, you're, you're going to lose your job. Where did that come from? All of a sudden in 18 months, Uh We're okay with politicians breaking the law, essentially, by participating in medical coercion. So again, um, if you are complicit in supporting this kind of stuff, you're complicit in medical doctors breaking their oaths, breaking their protocols, and the precedent that that's setting for future decisions should concern you. Eventually, they'll come after you too when you don't comply to some ridiculous requirement that they're trying to make of you.
0: Absolutely. Now, I think this next one, we, uh, you can speak to the physicians, phys- physician censorship that we've seen. Um, this is, again, one of the alarming trends that people who are pro-lockdown need to give account for. Okay, so this is
1: great. We, ca- we kind of touched on it already, but we have the College of Physicians and Surgeons. So, for instance, in Ontario... Who came out and and said to their physician, stop speaking ill of, for example, vaccinations and social distancing protocols. Oh, really? So I go to medical school for six, seven, eight years, and I'm not allowed to question the government's previously untried response to a virus. I'm I'm an expert, I'm a professional. I, you know, you could be a physician that has served in this area for Decades, but you're not allowed to question the narrative. And when you do, your governing body comes out and threatens you with censorship. Like, is that the kind of world we want to live in? But again, if you support lockdowns, mask mandates, mandatory vaccines, you actually are supporting censorship. You're saying this body of, we call them technocrats, government paid physicians that work for Doug Ford, et cetera. Well, we're going to believe them we're gonna believe anything that comes out of their mouth. We're gonna just trust them because, after all, they're not influenced by politics, are they, mm-hmm. or paychecks? Mm-hmm. But we're we're gonna silence and muzzle any physician that questions the narrative. A friend of mine um, had a situation where he asked his physician straight up, "You know, what do you think about you know what's going on?" The guy was in dis- The guy disagreed with it, but he said, "I'm not really allowed to say." I've had the same personal experience speaking with physicians that they are under incredible pressure to zip their lips um, because the government wants to control the narrative. And this is something that um, pro-compliant
0: churches, pro-compliant businesses and so forth are actually participating in. Now, it's interesting. I was just reading in the news about some uh, big-name Christian speakers in the States that maybe were tweeting things about how Christians should stop politicizing COVID-19, but it's actually yeah. it's actually it's politicized wow. by the government, right? Wow. It's like <laughs> <laughs> how naive can you possibly get?
1: Stop politicizing. Like the most of this is political. This is why we're speaking back against the state. Uh you know, we have the state who is functioning outside their sphere of authority. They're infringing upon individual rights, church rights, et cetera. Folks, most of this is political. Most of this is political. Mm-hmm. Even some health practitioners have been duped by the government's narrative and actually believe all the stuff the government says. They haven't done the research themselves. They're too busy going to work and tending to their families. Pastors have been duped by this because they haven't done the research for themselves. But... um you know we're gonna we're gonna continue to speak out because <laughs> more of this is political than not. I would even go so far
0: as to say. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's talk about unfair treatment of small businesses versus the big box store.
1: So the Bible has something to say about the little guy, the widow, the orphan, the foreigner. Right. Those those tend to be the people that are the most vulnerable mm-hmm. in society, and they require extra attention. Well, in in the business world, who's the little guy? the small business owner. And we have addressed this before. We'll address it again. What on earth, what kind of explanation can you possibly offer, medical explanation, for saying Costco and Walmart, all the big box stores can stay open under lockdowns and all the small businesses have to close? Mm -hmm. So think about this. What you're doing is you're saying they get all the profits, record profits. The small businesses get nothing. So you're a Christian. You're listening to the sound of my voice. You're a Christian. You support that? How, how can you possibly justify that? Do you justify it scientifically? There's no science to that. In fact, it's probably the opposite. You mm-hmm. cram a bunch of people into a large store as opposed to splitting them up over multiple little stores. Like, obviously, like, duh, you're going to get more viral spread in a large store where everyone's regularly, you know, in and out, in and out. But that aside, how do you justify robbing the little guy, generally the little guy is someone's names actually on the business as the owner, Mm -hmm. as opposed to, you know, the corporate giants where it's just a bunch of shareholders. So you're not really affecting one person in particular if you close them down. How do you justify that? You can't, it's injustice. It's, it's an injustice, Mm -hmm. but for some reason, well, we're just going to overlook all that. It just, it's just collateral damage in the, in the lockdown. And I would say it's it's a travesty of justice.
0: Hmm. We have another issue that uh, has been a very alarming trend, and sadly, Ontario's getting the brunt of it in some ways. Well, not as bad as Quebec, but the different provincial responses to COVID nineteen. I was speaking with a friend in Alberta yesterday, and. Uh, you're living in freedom compared to here. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, you know what? What's interesting is the more liberal the province, the more restrictive they generally are. The less Christianized the provinces, the more restrictive they are. Hmm. So the more conservative provinces have opened up quicker for the most part. Uh, the more liberal, the more godless, the more anti Christian provinces, of which Quebec and Ontario would be pretty much top of the heap. I mean, BC's not far behind. They, um, you know, they're they're the most interested in control over over the population. And um, so let's talk about this, this rhetoric. It's all the science. Okay, so it's all the science. So we have medical directors. Let's assume this is true. We have medical director in each province. They went to the same schools as one another. They went to, you know, the big medical schools. They've gone through the same training. They... They're you know part of the same associations. They're regularly sharing information. They have access to the same data, but they all come up with different protocols. So here you can have five people. That then we change it to ten. Then there's twenty five percent. Then there's thirty. Then there's unlimited with physical distancing. And the next province is at fifty people flat, or fifteen, or on and on and on. So you're just pulling these numbers out of thin air they're not scientific numbers if they differ from province to province to province in the same country. And we're not exactly a very big country population wise. These people know each other. So there's nothing scientific about having a percentage of people in in your church. In fact, I invented that. It was my suggestion to the premier in a letter that I wrote that, and I kind of regret it now a little bit. I wish there was more of an open-endedness to it, but, Instead of limiting to a number, I suggested there be a a percentage because churches vary from size to size. This is last year. And then they kind of jumped on that. And then the percentage thing's been going on ever since. There's nothing scientific about it. It just came into my head one day. And it's sort of become part of the provincial response to a lot of this. I never heard of anybody suggesting percentages before Mm -hmm. I wrote that letter. Thanks, so, Aaron. <laughs> well, yeah. So these different provincial responses show that the responses themselves, the protocols themselves are just sort of best guesses at, mm-hmm. you know, how to respond to things. Um, I mean, even masks. Come on, people. Like we know we can get the mask, the virus in our mouths. We know mm-hmm. we can get the virus in our eyes and obviously on our hands, you stick it in your mouth or whatever. Well, nobody's mandating uh, goggles Please i means <laughs> I, I should I should backtrack on that a friend of mine that works at a local college uh, when he leaves his office to go to the men's bathroom has to put on a pair of goggles to use the urinal you know and it's it's, it's not because he has no aim um <laughs> it's because he's supposed to mitigate mitigate against viral spread so there are some crazy exceptions to that but the other thing is like I can literally I can just go into my my um, my closet, I could pull out mm-hmm. an old t-shirt and just cut it out and put it on as a mask. Mm-hmm. I could use the same mask month after month after month. I don't know about you, but I, I have had several situations where I show up at a store, I'm supposed to wear a mask. I don't have one. So I, I noticed there's like one on the floor of the car or something that's been stepped no. on multiple <laughs> times, shake it off, put it on. No way. So <laughs> <laughs> it's probably not the he- most healthy thing.
0: You don't do that, Chris. <laughs> Even my Dutch <laughs> reuse, reduce. <laughs> if it's on the ground, it's done. <laughs> oh, you've never picked them up off of parking lots? <laughs> well, anyways. <laughs> Washed them off and resold them in new boxes. <laughs> what I found so crazy, I was out for breakfast this morning. Okay. I walked a total of maybe seven to 10 steps from the door to my table. Okay. And you have to wear a mask for those seven oh, to 10 yeah. steps. And then That's you sit seven. down. Who cares if you sneeze at your table? I'm sure people don't like it, but you don't have to wear a mask when you're sitting at your table. It's just bizarre. I was out with a friend last week. It was the week before and we were on an outdoor
1: patio and um, I I didn't have, you know, we're outside. Why do I need one? So I I walk up on the outdoor patio and when we get to the table, the waiter turns around. She's like, where's your masks? I said, well, we're outside. We only walked a few feet. Oh, no, you got to wear them. It's like, whatever. It's like, come on.
0: Um, Yeah, it's obviously not about Health at that point. It's about rules and <laughs> rule yeah. following, I mean, people, right? it's nonsense. Yeah. And then you go, we,
1: we've talked about this. These are the same arguments we're using over and over again because they've just, they've happened so many times. And 95s, okay, I get it. But no masks, wear a mask, wear two masks, back to one
0: mask, on and on and on. Mask off. The vaccination doesn't work as well. So now you got a mask again. Uh, It's just, folks, it's all, okay.
1: Let me just give you my opinion on
0: masks. (laughs) We
1: may have to mute. Yes, it does stop spit particles from flying from your mouth to someone else's mouth. But there's no scientific evidence that it stops viruses. The virus can get through it. The typical cloth mask, get through it, Right. So why do you put masks on a population? Because it makes you look like you're doing your job mm-hmm. as a politician. We get everybody masked up. It makes people feel better. Um, people actually buy it. It makes me feel better. You get a mask on. Suddenly I feel safe. Mm-hmm. Suddenly I feel safe because I because you have a cloth mask on. And um, while there might be some minor advantages to it, it doesn't stop COVID nineteen. Right. It's uh it's 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 sad actually to see how you can coerce and manipulate so quickly a population mostly composed of fairly well educated people into believing a fairy tale which is what this is. So these different co- provincial responses to covid-19 uh you know with without exception there's so many loopholes in them there's so many discrepancies they're basically in my view pulling their numbers out of out of thin air in terms of determining distances and yada 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 mm-hmm.
0: and certainly we see in not we're talking provincial restrictions we're not even expanding to on a a global scale world health organization says this Canada says this and whatnot. So um, empty hospitals. Let's chat about that a little bit.
1: Last year when the virus touched down in Canada, you know, they kind of set up all these extra beds and whatever else, emergency hospitals. For the most part, they never got used. ICUs in certain areas were pretty full because there's a lot of people there. They're full every year. Um, People were struggling with Delayed surgeries, etc. There's a there's a whole bunch of mitigating factors in all of that, but I would dare anyone to produce the evidence that our hospitals were jam packed through all these lockdowns. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'd like to, I'd like to actually see the video. Uh, a dated video from these different hospitals. I don't. I don't believe what the CEOs are putting out. I don't believe what the media reports. I've completely lost my my trust because I know lots of people that have worked in these establishments, and what you're hearing on the news mm-hmm. is not true. So you got multiple hospitals, for example, in a city. One of them's full. The other's got two patients. The other's got room. You know, but it's like ICUs. ICUs are packed. You know. By the way, all these heroes who are working in the hospitals, are now capitalizing upon it. You know, there's picketing going on, I think it's in Toronto, they want raises. Because, and and the, and the head of their union came right out and said, look, you've called us heroes essentially, treat us like heroes, we want more money. Now, I'm, I, I do think that there's been some injustices done to people in the medical system. And I'm very thankful by the way for the majority, not all, but the majority of people that work in the medical system. I think some of them are, are fr- frankly liars. But the majority of them are well-meaning people, benevolent people. They want to serve others. Mm-hmm. They go to work. They work hard. Um, many of them have been censored, told you know not to speak of what's actually going on in the hospitals. Um, but there's also opportunists. You know, you got people driving around with stickers on their own cars. You know, a hero drives this car. Give me a break. What about all the other people that have sacrificed their businesses and everything? and have never even met someone with COVID-19. No, nobody that's died, but they've closed their businesses. Some of them have jumped off of bridges or fallen back into addictions. Are those heroes too? Like stop Mm -hmm. this whole discriminatory, these are the heroes, the medical people are the heroes, everyone else is kind of a loser kind of rhetoric. Like it's not acceptable. Mm -hmm. And um, there are people that deserve uh, much applause for their efforts in all of this, um, but there's also people out there that have, that are taking advantage of the system mm-hmm. and are benefiting significantly from the system, um, who haven't really suffered. And uh, you know, to um, to continue to support all these protocols and, and lockdowns is to again participate in a
0: lie. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're a pro lockdown person pro mask, pro vaccine passports or mandatory vaccines. One of the the things, and this is number nine on the list that you really have to give account for is the media bias. And you've talked about that a lot, but <laughs> man, it is it if it's not blatant, then you're not looking, right?
1: I, I I wonder if people have developed and because of our educational system is is pretty weak, I think. Um, I wonder if people have developed the ability to critically read and to spot the lie in newspaper articles and media reports. I'm starting to think our ability to spot the lie is extremely low. We just tend to be very trusting, mm-hmm. very passive, and very supportive. Well, I've caught the media in lies. And, you know, they, they've reported things about our church that are, I would say factually true but they're completely disconnected from the whole narrative and so the article reads as a falsehood a lie mm-hmm. it's 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 like um, you know quoting a verse out of context in the Bible which we all say you know you, you don't do that you mm-hmm. just grab some some take a picture mm-hmm. and you just report on that but you you don't report any context you don't report anything leading up to it so those ultimately become lies because you misrepresent what is what is going on. Um, the media, and I've, I've been to several protests and spoken at a few in the last year and a half, well, <laughs> they don't show up to the ones they don't want to show up to. Mm-hmm. So we did this big church service back in, I think it was de- December mm-hmm. or late yeah. November yep. in Toronto. The Windsor Star knew we were going to have it, there's no mainstream media there. Don't mm-hmm. even make the news. Oh, let's not bother reporting that 1,000 or 2,000 people meet and have a big worship service out front of uh, Queens Park. So if you if you run a BLM rally, an indigenous rally, they'll be all over that, mm-hmm. but they won't report. You know, there's been other uh, rallies, some of which I wasn't at, but friends of mine were at, where there's thousands of people there speaking out against lockdowns or whatever. They, they don't get any attention in the media. Mm-hmm. So the media is very selective and in what they report. Um, Again, you have the problem of journalists functioning as opinion columnists who are um, essentially um, just kind of promoting and peddling the government's narrative, article after article, over and over and over again. I mean, the classic example of this is if if you want to, Get like a little bit of an idea about what's going on in U.S. politics. First, you go to CNN, mm-hmm. and then you go to Fox News, and then you kind of try to figure out the truth, which is probably somewhere in the middle. <laughs> you know? yeah. Like it's so obvious. Yeah. Like well, let's say when Trump was in was in office, yeah. <laughs> like every article on CNN is Trump's a tyrant, he's a moron, he can't do anything wrong, he's a knucklehead, on and on and on. And Fox tends to be a little more, not always, but it tends to be a little more glowing in their treatment. Um, it's so obvious media bias. In fact, there's websites out there that that try to analyze the kind of like put these media put them on companies like a on a needle. Yep. So they're they're more left, they're more right, they're more factual, they're less factual. While in Canada, um, you know, we have a left leaning mainstream media, and um, and then we also have the problem where the CBC, in particular, is funded mm-hmm. by the state. So there's not an arm's length agreement there. When you know the people that are running the, the CBC are also you know reporting on or for however you want to put it, the people that are making their paycheck. So if you believe everything you read in the news, well, um, you are you are being lied to. Not in everything. There's some good journalists out there, we know that, but you are being lied to. Uh, Much of the time, there's a lot of spin. And um, in a sense, you're participating in that. You're supporting that by believing everything that they are telling you. Some of which is, (laughs) frankly, it's just contrary to human experience. Mm -hmm. Like, for example, how many people do you know that have died of COVID-19? Most people know zero or one or two, but not hundreds Mm-hmm. Like is often being, you know, presented in the news.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, some of our listeners might might not remember, but back in I think it was early January or late December, the media reported on uh, your participation in a uh, protest downtown. Which, interestingly, the media reported on this protest, an anti-lockdown protest. The one they did pr- uh, report on had maybe maybe fifty people in the pictures that I saw, and you weren't even. Leading it, you were, I guess, spotted there, and actually, it was a case of mistaken identity, and you got yeah, charged. I wasn't even for it. actually in
1: the protest. I was, it's a kind of weird story. It happened to be that, you know, some of us had gone down to see what this protest would be like to see if we wanted to participate in the future, but we weren't in it. We we're actually standing at the guardrail on the other side of the bike path, watching it. There was actually pedestrians between us and the protesters. And uh, you know, I was charged for speaking at this protest. I was, I was literally there for I don't know t- who who knows what was it ten, twenty, thirty minutes, p- less than thirty minutes because I had to go. And then when the you know when the police examined the the video a little bit more after they'd already issued me a summons, it's like, oops, it's another guy. Yeah, you know. But the media in the meanwhile was like, I'm a calling me a liar. Mm-hmm. Um you know, I'm stringing people along and all this kind of stuff. So,
0: Which on its own was quite something, but then what was quite odd and the clear media bias is that we went back and looked at um, the coverage of some of the BLM protests in June of 2020, the exact same restrictions were in place in terms of actually there was tighter restrictions in some ways about gathering limits and the media covered with glowing reports, the police chief, of Windsor and the mayor oh, yeah, of right next to tons of people. And so it was just this like, okay, there's clearly a bias and you you oh, can yeah. pull it out. You can show evidence and people still turn it away and they yeah. just want to believe what they want to believe. So um, the human toll, this is something that we have to put before people who are in favor of lockdowns that think that's a morally right thing to do. It's not, right? Okay. So if I were to tell you
1: that lockdowns have resulted in, Multiple babies being admitted to, for example, the Ottawa Hospital with um, indications of physical abuse because of lockdowns. If I were to tell you that there's been um, multiple overdoses from opioids as a result of lockdowns, that people have taken their own lives as a result of lockdowns, and that um, physicians, in fact, you know, my wife was in for a surgery a little while back, and um, she was talking to a medical expert who said, yeah, I think I've lost a couple patients because of delayed surgeries. If I were to tell you that all that has happened and all of it has happened, would you be as supportive of lockdowns? Well, the reality is you already know this. If you're watching the the stories that are coming out, you already know this is happening. Mm -hmm. So we know that there's a massive... There's massive collateral damage because what we the mistake our cultures made is we focused exclusively on stopping COVID nineteen. We've forgotten about all the other catastrophic injuries and deaths that result from locking people down in isolation. Um. So when, when you when you support lockdowns, mm-hmm. you're actually in a sense complicit in all these other deaths and and abuses that are taking place. So why would you support them? Uh, you, the only way you can responsibly support these things is by focusing in a on one threat and one threat alone and just willfully ignoring mm-hmm. all the collateral damage that's taking place around you.
0: Yep. Now, when I've thought about this one, uh, thinking for a family, it's like, how much would you, this is kind of an interesting question, but like how much money would you be willing to spend to protect your child from the chance of getting COVID 19. And most people, I'm not sure what the, that actual number figure would be, but we have one of the collateral damages of the lockdowns, which haven't necessarily even worked to prevent stuff, has been incredible economic um, costs for the future for our children that will be uh, long standing.
1: Well, the prices of things are just going through the roof. In Toronto, they're having a really hard time finding waiters to serve in the restaurants, which are starting to reopen because a lot of them have abandoned that industry. Uh, there's, there was reports on that yesterday. And then the employers are having to pay higher wages to keep people, the cost of food's going up, the cost of gasoline's up, um, you know, so that the whole industry, like the uh, prices are rising. We see the, you know, the price of lumber went crazy there a few months back it's dropped mm-hmm. a little bit thankfully for those of us who like to build things mm-hmm. it's a good thing this is adding to the cost of houses so we have all sorts of in rapid increases in costs you know double digits and uh, in terms of percentages and people still out of work or underemployed mm-hmm. that's not sustainable like this is economics 101 mm-hmm. yeah, you know you don't just shut everybody down to stop a virus when you have to work, folks. Like money doesn't grow on trees, even mm-hmm. though Ottawa likes to print it, but money doesn't grow on trees. Um, we've said this before that Ontario is the most sub indebted subsovereign state in the world.
0: Who's going to pay for that? Mm-hmm.
1: Well, in our selfishness to protect our generation from a virus that's killed very few people percentage-wise, we're passing on that debt to future um,
0: generations and it's just very irresponsible. Mm -hmm. Okay. Talk to us last couple of things here, the ever-changing protocols. We've mentioned this a little bit, but this is something that you need to give account for as well, right? Yeah. Well, it's,
1: we've sort of touched on that under, um, the different provincial responses, but just very specifically, um, you can't argue, you can't, capitalize upon the science argument. It's all about the science when the quote unquote science of the protocols keeps changing. So I'll just use the illustration I've used before. When they start off telling you don't wear masks and then they tell you wear cloth masks and then they say wear two masks and then, well, I guess one mask is okay in just a matter of months, if not weeks, that's not science. Mm -hmm. Don't tell me it's science. So the ever-changing protocols, you have to tie everything that's going on back to politics, back to politics. So unless you you just really love politicians and you just want politicians to do really well and get reelected, you can't just blindly support the protocols that they continue to foist upon the population, including vaccine passports. That's all political, it's just mm-hmm. political. And that's why the politicians are polling to see whether the, co- the population wants it or not. And if they sense we do, we're going to get what we ask for. Mm-hmm. If they sense that we don't want them, we're not going to get them. Mm-hmm. Simple as that. I yep. can guarantee you that that's the case. Yep. If the population rises up, says no vaccine passports, there won't be any vaccine passports in Canada. Mm-hmm. But if the politician sense that we want vaccine passports, folks, we're going to get vaccine passports. Mm-hmm. It's all politics.
0: And that plays right into our final one, the mass gatherings that have been permitted. This is huge. I'm glad we saved it for last. I want every
1: pro-lockdowner, pro-compliant, pro-masker to answer this very simple question. How do you justify the fact that the BLM rallies last year allowed thousands of people to attend the Indigenous rallies last year, or this year in particular, allowed thousands of people to attend. The Islamic funeral in London allowed thousands of people to attend. The premier and the prime minister attended some of those. How do you justify allowing mass gatherings of thousands upon thousands of people while at the same time being supportive of a few handfuls of people being permitted into churches or small businesses? And the answer to that, I'll just answer it for you, you can't. You can't justify that. Mm -hmm. It just... It shows that this is all political. The rules are political. If politicians sense that there's an opportunity for them to capitalize upon public angst or public pain or public fear or public fury or whatever, they're going to be all over that. It's all about votes. It's all about party politics. And if the church runs around cowering and says, oh, yeah, we, we don't mind being locked down. We love Zoom church. You know, we love avatar baptisms or whatever other ridiculous methods we come up with to try to replace the real thing. Then the government's going to listen to that. They're going to lock you down. Mm -hmm. It's all politics, folks. You get what you ask for. You don't get what you don't ask for. The sooner we learn that, the sooner we get our liberties back. If you are a supporter of lockdowns, these are the things that you're supporting. They're lies. They're falsehoods. They're based on ignorance, politics. You're not contributing to a medical solution through these things. You're not. You're not getting brownie points with Jesus for this stuff. You are participating in falsehoods and lies, and so we need to renounce those falsehoods and lies and require our politicians and our leaders to do better.
0: Lays it out clear, and I think that uh, those are things people need to take especially seriously given this the fact that this fall, it's very likely that we will head into more restrictions. Get my antidepressants out, Chris. (laughs) (laughs) I've been talking to a few people that are just like, well, I think a lot of people that are just like, I am so done with this. (laughs) And so maybe, maybe the blessing of that is if they're so done with it, if it starts coming and rearing its ugly head again this fall, they'll finally be like, I'm saying something. I hope so. But my fear
1: is that um, the government's doing a pretty good job in uh, preempting that by pointing the finger at folks that don't really want to get a vaccine. Mm -hmm. It becomes their fault uh, for a fourth lockdown or whatever restrictions they want to put in place.
0: Mm -hmm. Lots to consider. Well, we will continue chat this chat uh, next week, going into some new topics. Um, Thank you, Aaron. Appreciate this time. Want to remind our listeners again, one last time about their, well, one last time, maybe a couple last times we'll get to it yet, but the, uh, the, fight laugh feast network is putting on a conference over in tennessee make sure to go to their website to check that out and reminder that we are on the fight laugh feast network uh, as a podcast there if you go onto their podcast uh, in, onto their app rather you could select the canadian side or the u.s side In the canadian side there's a couple of other great podcasts alongside leadership now and so check ours out check theirs out make sure to give them a listen and a subscribe One way you can help the podcast is to share it, to rate it. Uh, You can rate it um, positively, hopefully. (laughs) That helps us a lot. And then uh, share it out. And then make sure to listen also if you are looking for online radio and want to listen to it there. It's on CJXC Radio at 11 a.m. on Tuesdays and 11 p.m. on Thursdays. We will be back next week with another episode of Leadership Now with Aaron Rock. And So continue to subscribe and listen.